Hebrews chapter 12, we're gonna continue in our series this morning, Unshakable. And the idea behind this series has been to encourage us as the people of God that what we're experiencing in the, in the world around us, I think we all could relate to a degree with the idea that there's some things that are shaking in the world today. Economic turmoil, political strife and division, wars and rumors of wars, there's some shaking that's going on in the earth today. But Hebrews chapter 12 encourages us with something, and that is this. It's not catching God off guard. He's aware of the fact that there would be shaking in the world today, and he's made a promise to you and I in the midst of the shaking that we're experiencing in the world around us. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 says this. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so the only, un, only unshakable things will remain. Someone say, unshakable things. So he says, in fact, he says, did you catch that? He said, he makes a promise. It means this is gonna happen. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. There's gonna be some shaking in the world. What it's going to eventually result in is this temporal world is passing away. But then he gives you and I a promise. In verse 28 of the same chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. And he says this, since we, he's speaking about you and I as believers, as Christ followers. That's who this promise is made to. And so it's very important. You wanna get in on this promise. And he says, since we, Christ followers, are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, someone say unshakable, let us be thankful, someone say thankful, and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. So God says, I promise you, the world's gonna be shaking, there's gonna be some things you're gonna experience, but the promise of God to you and I, to those who will call upon, put our faith in, the Lord Jesus Christ, is that we have an invitation and an opportunity to become a part of a kingdom that is unshakable in the midst of a world that is shaken. And he says, because of this, because of this promise, because of what Jesus has made possible for you and I to become a part of this kingdom that's unshakable, he says, let us be thankful. Let us be thankful. So I wanna to talk to you today about unshakable thanks. Unshakable thanksgiving. Unshakable gratitude. That this week we're about to celebrate Thanksgiving and for most of it, it means something similar. We're getting together with friends and family, watching football, eating turkey. I know for some of us, it's a joyful time of reuniting with friends and family. For some of us, it's maybe a painful time, a reminder of some of the things that maybe we've suffered, the loss of friends or family members, maybe the idea that maybe you're, di you're, you're disconnected from people or far away from people that you would long to or like to be close to. So, so I just pray God's grace over you this week, regardless of where you fall in one of those camps or anywhere in between. But more than just a holiday that falls on a Thursday in the fall, and a day where we eat turkey and we hopefully have family near and dear to us and we watch football. More than that, this is Thanksgiving is an invitation and it's a command of God and it's a principle of God's kingdom that connects us to the life that God can bless. And that's where we pick up Colossians chapter three, which is speaking of the new life that you and I are called to live once we've come to Christ. And the pretext of the verses that we'll read are actually admonishing us and encouraging us to lay down some of the things that we once walked in, some of the sinful ways and patterns that we were given to before we came to Christ. But now we pick it up in verse 12 where he's encouraging us about our new life in Christ and how we are to live. And he says this, verse 12, Colossians 3, 
Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, you gotta put this on. You gotta clothe yourself. You make a decision when you go to your closet in the morning based on the conditions, based on the, the, the schedule of your day, what you're gonna wear. He's saying right here, when you get up, when you find Christ, when you start to live for Christ, you begin to make a decision to clothe yourself with these things. Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, make allowance for each other's faults, including your pastor who tells bad dad jokes at Thanksgiving. And forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourself. Again, he's saying, this is something you gotta do with intentionality. This is a choice you have to make. This isn't something that you're gonna just necessarily always feel. You make an intentional decision about what you're gonna wear, about how you're going to present yourself to the world around you. And he says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And we visited this scripture last week, but we'll kind of expand upon it and, and move a little deeper into it today. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Come on, say always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness, let it fill your lives. What, what's filling your life? today. I, I promise you, your life is filled with something or, or someone or some pursuit. And, and he's just saying right here, let, let the message of Christ, let what he's done, let who he is, let who you are in him, let it begin to fill your life in a way where it begins to kind of push out some of the other things that you thought would satisfy you, that you thought would fill the void, that you thought would meet the need. He says, let Christ fill your life. Teach and counsel each other, reading on verse 16. Teach and counsel one another with all the wisdom that God gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Someone say thankful hearts. He said, come together, together as a church family, one body unified with the love of God that unifies us. And he said, sing songs, sing homes, psalms and, and, and hymns spiritual songs. That's what we were doing this morning when we were just kind of lingering in that moment and the worship leaders were just kind of singing. That's what they were doing. It's right there in the Bible. Sing spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. The reason we get together when we do church together, when we gather as the body of Christ, the family of God within this building and those people joining us online, the reason we sing those songs is not just to warm up the atmosphere for the message or, or it's not just the thing you do before the preacher gets up and gives the sermon. It's because it's what the Bible commands and instructs us to do as part of our new life in Christ. To do it from a place of gratitude, with thankful hearts, sing these psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, and reading on verse 17, and whatever you do or say, whatever, this is all encompassing. He says, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Someone say, give thanks. So this is one of the most powerful life-altering commands from God, to live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving towards God in response to what God has done for you and I through Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary, through sending his son because he loved you so much, even where you were in your sin, far from God, opposed to God. He loved you when you were in that condition, when you were in that place. So he sent Jesus to make a way to invite you back into a relationship with your heavenly father that transcends religion. And he says, because of that, because you're aware of that, he said, begin to give thanks to me. 
Just be grateful. I don't know about you, when, when we're up here and this morning we were singing that song, All Hail King Jesus. I'm up there and I'm worshiping my heart out and I'm singing those songs and, and, and hopefully you were too. And for some of us, the Bible, what the Bible says is true. You're making a joyful noise, come on. Maybe you're not hitting all the notes, but there's a sense of gratitude and appreciation. I'm singing these songs not just because it's something we do before the message. I'm singing these songs because my heart is filled with gratitude. My heart is filled with thanksgiving for what Jesus has made possible in my life, for what he's done, for coming and, and, and rescuing me, for finding me, for saving me. It's, it's, it's one of the most powerful, again, life-altering principles and invitations is this commitment to live with an attitude of gratitude. And more than just kind of a catchy statement that kind of rhymes for a preacher to use, it really is a powerful reality that your attitude is determining perhaps more than anything the course and direction of your life. And did you know that actually the root of that word attitude, the context where we get it from is actually an aeronautical term that, that speaks to the direction or the pitch of an aircraft? And did you know that the attitude of the plane is determining whether that plane is ascending or descending? And the same is true for you and I. Perhaps nothing else in our lives of faith is determining whether our life is ascending and increasing or descending and decreasing than the attitude we choose to have. And I use that language intentionally because here's the thing that is powerfully true. You don't get a chance to control everything you go through in life. You're gonna come up against some unforeseen, unexpected, perhaps even unfair things. You can't control it. But I'm telling you that what's true, it might not be easy, but it's true, is you always get the chance to determine your attitude about it. And you always get the chance to determine what you will call it. In a world that might label it one thing, you as a person of God, as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a believer in Jesus, called by his name, filled with faith, empowered by the Spirit, and aware of God's promises, you get the opportunity to decide what you're gonna call it. The world might say it's failure, you get the opportunity to say, man, that's a learning opportunity for something bigger and better that God still has in store in my life. You might say it's delay, or the world might say it's delay, and I'm telling you, when you find yourself in a season of delay, you thought it would have already come to pass, you thought it would have already come to happen, you, you get a chance to say, the world might say it's delay, I get a chance to say it's a season of preparation for what is yet to come in my life. Disappointment is oftentimes, I've learned in my own life, maybe you've experienced it yourself, if you'll stay connected to God in faith, even a season of disappointment, you can relabel it God's redirection and better plan connection because he's always got something good for you in store. If you'll hang on, if you'll, if you'll hold on, if you'll keep moving, if you'll keep trusting, if you'll keep loving, if you'll keep forgiving, you can't always control the things going on around you, the things that happen to you, but you get the chance to determine the attitude you will have about it. And Philippians 2 verse 5 creates kind of a high standard for us, but God doesn't tell us anything that isn't possible when we submit, surrender our lives, and welcome the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's what it says. It says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. The very same attitude. Who... who of the person who, when he was scorned, when he was rejected, when he was betrayed. I, I, I'm just so grateful that when he went through those things, and here's what you can draw from it, real betrayal, real rejection, real disappointments. Jesus experienced it all and then some. And he experienced some of those things in the most extreme way because he had never sinned. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He had no part in it. 
He was willfully participating and engaging, and it says you gotta have that same attitude. You're gonna go through some things, unforeseen, unexpected, and unfair, but in the midst of that, Jesus model what it looks like to keep a faith-filled, positive, serving others kind of an attitude even when you're going through a storm in your life. And so attitude, again, it's this aeronautical term about the direction or the pitch of an aircraft. And just like an attitude is speaking to whether an aircraft is ascending or descending, our attitude is oftentimes the thing that is singularly most responsible for determining the, the directional um, nature of our lives of faith. So we gotta have an attitude of gratitude. He says, give thanks. Give thanks always. With thanksgiving, sing and worship and give thanks to God. So we gotta have this attitude, but how many know more than an attitude, God calls us to actually begin to live these things out. We can't just be hearers of God's word, we have to be doers of God's word. We can't just be believers in God's word, we have to be doers of what God has called us to. To get the results that only God can give, we have to be willing to live the way that the Bible instructs us to live. And Psalm 107, one through two says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He says, you gotta begin to allow the expression of gratitude towards God for who he is and what he's done, begin to actually be something that you begin to speak out, to sing out, to shout out. Psalm 107 continues in verse eight, saying, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works. Same chapter, verse 13, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness. He brought them out of the shadow of death. He broke their chains into pieces. He's still in the business of breaking bondages and addictions. He's still in the business of rescuing people from dark places. And it says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, his wonderful works. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let those who have been rescued from darkness, let those who have experienced the way that only God came into and entered into the situation and delivered you and preserved you and kept you and held you up and helped you to make it through something that you didn't know you were gonna make it through. He says, begin to respond with a life of praise, with a life of gratitude. When I'm up here and I'm worshiping and I'm giving thanks to God, I promise you I'm not doing it because I'm a pastor or a preacher. I do it because I once was a prisoner. And I'm responding to God. I'm thankful that he didn't leave me where I was. I'm thankful that he came into my life even before I ever loved him. That's what the Bible says. And he saved me and redeemed me and rescued me and set me free. And he's still working in my life. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. I know you might be going through some things. I know you might really be in an unforeseen, unexpected, unfair, painful chapter in your life. But if you'll keep looking to him, if you'll keep worshiping him, if you'll keep trusting in him, if you'll allow him to place his hand upon your hand and allow him to turn, help you to turn the page. He's not done with your story. He's, a, he's got another chapter in his heart for you. There's a good ending. Don't allow yourself to get stuck in a painful, unforeseen, unfortunate chapter of your life. And it's the reason we praise. Not just because things are going good. Come on, it'd be 
easy to worship God when everything's going good in your life. And the opportunity that we get on this side of eternity, because once we're in heaven with God forevermore through Jesus Christ, the Bible says there'll be no more sorrows, no more pain. He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. And by the way, what we're doing here is just a rehearsal for what we will do nonstop forevermore around the throne of Jesus, just worshiping him, thanking him, throwing down our crowns, responding to him and honoring him for who he is. And so on this side of eternity is when we get the opportunity to be going through something and to still say, I'm, I'm still gonna worship God. The Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise. Maybe that's what it's talking about is the opportunity that we uniquely get on this side of eternity to be going through something unforeseen, unexpected, unfair, painful, unfortunate, and to say, I might be going through that, but God is still worthy of my praise. Being thankful, an attitude of gratitude, Worshiping and praising God in every season. Remember, that's what it said. Be thankful always, always. It's not just good Christian behavior. It's a powerful spiritual weapon that provides and protects and directs and connects us to God and to God's heart, his will, and his provision for our lives. So I've got four things that we've been kind of diving into throughout this series, and I'm gonna touch on some of the same four, but I'm gonna show you how an attitude of gratitude, how this, this lifestyle of giving thanks to God helps to connect us to God's ability to provide, protect, and relate to us in our lives. So, so four things. Number one is relational. There's a relational blessing that comes from a commitment to live out a life of thanksgiving and gratitude towards God and towards others in our lives. But first and foremost, towards God. And Psalm 95 verse two says it this way, let us come before him with thanksgiving. Turn the page a few pages to the right. Psalm 100 verse four says, enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Someone say, give thanks. So he's saying, approach me. Again, we're talking about how this empowers a relationship with God, and that's what God wants with you. More than just the religious things that you could do, more than the check that you can write, more than the ways that you can serve, all those things are good things, but beyond that, and as the priority of all those things, God desires to have a relationship with you. And so he's telling us something here. He's giving us some insider information. He's saying, this is how you approach me. Because Exodus 34 establishes something, a powerful principle, that God is a jealous God. It says his name is jealous. What does that mean, Pastor T? I believe it means that he's jealous for you, your heart, your affection, your attention, your time. He sees all the other things. He sees the other people. He sees all the things that the world defines and subscribes as what it means to be a success in life, and he sees you and I giving ourselves away to those things, and he says he's a jealous God. And he sees how those things leave us empty and how those things can never fill the void that only he can fill, and he wants a relationship with you. And so he's saying, I'm a jealous God, but I'm anything but a selfish God. I'm not calling you to come before me with thanksgiving because I need your praise or because I need your applause. Let me just let you in on a little secret. God does not have self-esteem issues. 
He's saying here, he's saying, this is the way that you approach me that helps us to have this bond of fellowship and relationship. It's not because of what it does for God. It's because of what he realizes it unlocks for us. This pattern of, of relationship that is fueled by gratitude that positions us to have a closer relationship with God. And let me just ask you a question. And feel free to answer honestly today. How many of you really enjoy being around unthankful, ungrateful people? Thanks for being honest. I didn't see a single hand go up there. Doesn't it just suck the life out of you? But how many of you enjoy being around someone who has a positive, thankful, appreciative, grateful outlook on life and, and they are willing to not just have that as their posture of life, but the, you hear them saying it, they're just so thankful and grateful for you and for your friendship and for what you did for them. And come on, we need to have grace for people that fall in the other camp because we've been in that camp at certain times or certain days in our life. But you can relate to this idea that you long for, you desire to be close with people who express gratitude and who are thankful and grateful for what you've done, who have this positive, enthusiastic outlook on life. And it's the very same thing that God's saying here. Come before me with thanksgiving. Approach me with praise. It opens up our ability to build and, 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 and experience and enjoy a stronger relationship with God, with God and with people. Philippians 4, we've been visiting this throughout this series. We'll read it again today and we'll kind of take a little different angle on how we unpack it. But in verse six, it says this, do not be anxious about anything, someone say anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, come on, say that, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's what we're gonna read on a verse. Finally, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he says in every situation, at all times, he said, finally, this is gonna be powerfully important. You're gonna have to do this in a world that is shaking. If you wanna have unshakable joy, unshakable peace, if you wanna endure this shaking, he said, you're gonna have to be willing to focus your sight, to set your mind, to fix your thoughts on whatever's noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. You gotta begin to think about those things. So, so here's how it applies to relationships. What we know is that one of the primary strategies of, of Satan is to come and to divide relationships. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. So what, here's what he loves to do is he loves to cause us to begin to focus more on the frustrations and the disappointments in relationships than on the things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And, and the Bible says you're gonna have to be willing to think about such things. And I'm just telling you, when the enemy comes and he begins to whisper in your ear that, that maybe you didn't marry the right person, when he begins to whisper in your ear that maybe they don't care about you at that church, when he begins to whisper in your ear those things and you begin to allow yourself to focus more on the frustrations or disappointments of a relationship than on the things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, it begins to set up the opportunity for there to begin to become a relational, relational division. And, and so in relationships, Maintaining, protecting, determining 
to maintain an attitude of gratitude towards your spouse, towards your pastor, towards your boss, is a protective, is an insurance policy against division and divorce. I'm just telling you, if day by day by day by day, you determined, maybe even on a day after the day that they really did something that hurt you or said something they shouldn't have said or didn't come through with something and created the opportunity for disappointment, if we'll begin to, in that moment, in that time, say, you know what, they might have really done the thing, but I'm choosing to remember the reason that I fell in love, I'm choosing to remember the things that they have going for them and I'm choosing to establish that atmosphere to deal with maybe the real thing that needs to be dealt with. Because here's what this, this principle, this encouragement, this challenge to you today is not. It's not an excuse for bad behavior. And it's not an excuse to continue on in behaviors that really need to, and deserve your attention to be changed. So, so just hear it today. I do not want to get an email from someone saying, from some woman saying, my husband heard what you said the other day, and when, I, when he did the thing that he needs to no longer do, he said, why don't you just focus on the good things about me, woman? Do not send me that email. This is the disclaimer to cover that. That's, this is not what I'm saying. It is not an excuse for bad behavior. And here's what you need to hear. If it matters to your spouse, it better matter to you. Even if it's something as trivial as just not throwing your undies and your socks on the floor. Come on. Who am I preaching to? I'm not looking that way right now. I know that for sure. Because what she's going to say is you preached it to them. Now you got to live it out, you know, in your own life. It's not an excuse for bad behavior. There's some things we really need to be willing to work on. But did you know that the Bible says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? And can I just encourage you with the powerful truth? Very few people will ever be bullied, hassled, or nagged into significant life change. And again, I'm not saying that you can't be honest. I'm not saying that you can't share how that made you feel. I'm not saying that you can't say, hey, would you be willing to work on this? But I'm saying just be careful that the enemy doesn't come into your relationships and cause you to begin to meditate more upon the disappointments and the frustrations than the things that are honorable, pure, praiseworthy, excellent. Make a determination and a decision. I'm going to apply gratitude to protect and insulate this relationship from the schemes of the enemy because he's the accuser of the brethren and he loves nothing more than to cut off the connections of relationships that are life-giving to you. And you better hear this too, the closer, more powerful, more, more promising or more potential exists within a relationship, the more the enemy's gonna go after that relationship. To your spouse, to your pastor, to people in your own family. And he says, would you just make a commitment? People really are, they're gonna let you down. They're, they're gonna need to change. They're gonna need to improve. There's, again, there's a, there's a way to, to communicate about those things and have establish those expectations, but, but just make a determination that day by day by day by day, you're going to just say, I'm going to do what God's word has to say about this person, what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, even on the days where I gotta look pretty hard to find it, I am going to think about those things. Did you know perspective is powerful? Perspective is powerful. You know, you, you, can, you can think, man, we got it tough, we got it rough, things are going really bad for us and our finances or our family or whatever. This just doesn't, it's not going the way I thought it was gonna go. You can be feeling all those things and then you go on the Thanksgiving outreach and you go to some places and you knock on some doors and you experience some people who have it a little bit worse than what you have it. 
and you, you begin to see, you begin to see things a little differently. You get a different perspective and it maybe empowers you. I don't know about you, it does for me and I begin to say, ooh, thank you Lord for all the things that you're doing in my life. Let me not fall into that pit of, 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 of not seeing and appreciating and being willing to thank you for who you are, what you've done. You've seen us through, maybe it's not going exactly like we thought it would, but man, we've got it good. And I promise you that if you'll be determined, if you'll be intentional, I promise you even on your bad days, if you'll be reflective about what God's done in your life, if you'll remind yourself about some of the things you thought were gonna take you out, the things you weren't gonna make it to the other side of. And here's the thing is, there's even more of those things than you ever will realize because there's some places, there's some pits, there's some traps that you never even knew about because God in his infinite love and mercy just came along you and he just kind of helped you and kept you from falling into those pits. And I'm telling you, if you'll be mindful to think about those things, even on your worst days or difficult seasons, we have more to be thankful for than we have to be concerned about. On, every, on any day. Perspective is powerful. Perspective is powerful. Man, you think, gosh, in my family, we've got dysfunction and they didn't do what they needed to do and they really said or abused me in the way that they did. And, and I'm saying, I'm, I'm not minimizing some of the real ways that we can experience pain or hardship in life through relationships and especially through family. But I'm telling you, perspective is powerful. We have some things in our life, it's like, God, why does it have to be that way? And then we got into the foster care system and we began to experience a whole different level of pain and trauma, and problems. And it just caused us to just say, man, Lord, we have some real things. I'm not minimizing the real issues, the legitimate challenges. I'm not minimizing it. Hear, hear me this morning. God cares about what your, your real unique challenges that you're going through. But sometimes perspective helps us to kind of just be a little bit more thankful for what we're not going through. It could be worse. Someone else is going through something I promise you someone else is going through something that's worse off than what I'm going through and they're doing it with a better attitude. Can we commit to be thankful? It, it, it insulates us from relational division. Number two is directional. It's relational, it's directional. An attitude of gratitude and a commitment to live this out keeps us moving forward towards God's best plans and purposes for our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 is where we find this principle, and it says this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks, someone say give thanks, in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, Pastor T, you're always telling us that there, God has a big plan, a big dream, a real future for us. This sounds overly simplistic. Listen, I'm encouraging you, he does have a big plan, a big dream, a good future for you. It's more than you can ask or think or imagine according to Ephesians chapter three. Now to him in verse 20 who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, you can't even measure or define it or quantify it. More than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. More than we could ask, think, or imagine. That's how big God's hope, his plan, his future is for you. But the pathway to discover it, experience it, and enjoy it is found in this scripture. Rejoice always, come on, just say it after me. Rejoice always, pray always, give thanks always. You begin to live that life. In the midst of maybe some things, I mean, again, I, I, I'm sorry to keep going back to the wall on that, but I just wanna make sure you understand that this message is not dependent upon your circumstances all aligning for you. That we make a determination to live this life by faith, not by what we see, not by what we feel. And I promise you, you begin to live that life. 
I'm always rejoicing. You had a bad day, really? Yeah, but I'm always rejoicing. I'm grateful and thankful. God still loves me. God's still with me. God still cares for me. But they, re- they abused you. They rejected you. They betrayed you. Yeah, but God didn't. He's, he's still with me and for me. He said he'll never leave me or never forsake me. And as long as he's with me, I've got a reason to have joy. What, you're really going through some things? Yeah, but God hears my prayers and he cares about what I'm going through. And just like they said this morning, like Adrian said, that veil was torn and now I can come to God personally and directly and I can come boldly to the throne of grace in a time of need and always giving thanks. Come on, in every circumstance, I'm just telling you, you begin to live this life and just watch how it begins to open up and present the pathway forward towards God's plan and will for your life. And we get so caught up in who should I marry or what should I do or where should I go or or what about this or what door should I go through? Which direction should I go? And I'm just telling you, if you'll just maybe go back and just begin to rejoice always and pray continually and give thanks always, just watch how you'll begin to, in the midst of where you are, the current season, the current assignment, just begin to experience a new level of joy that sets you free from the fear of missing out. (laughs) and allows you to begin to just take steps of faith towards what God has for you. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So it's relational, and number two, it's directional. It's the pathway to begin to move forward towards the things that God has for you. And he says, give thanks in all things. And so I'm gonna draw something out for you and I there that we can be encouraged by. He did not say to give thanks for all things, but he said in all things. You don't have to give thanks for the problem or the person or the hurtful situation, but he said in the middle of going through that, you could be thankful in the middle of it because you know that I am with you and I will see you through. I say this often and it bears repeating in the context of this message, I say this often, I say the pathway to the new, the next, and the more of God, and you gotta hear me today, he has a new and a next and a more for you in your life, and your marriage, and your family, and your finances, because God, I mean, God does. He has a new, a next, a more for you in your life. And I say it this way, I say, is always connected to faithfulness with the now of God. But I started to think about this in the context of this message, and that's this, that perhaps you could even say it more accurately this way, the pathway to the new, and the next, and the more of God is thankfulness for the now of God. Because is it possible that thankfulness is what really inspires faithfulness? When I'm really thankful for the person, when I'm really thankful for the job I currently have, when I'm really thankful for whatever it is, insert whatever it is in your life where the enemy kind of comes and tries to discourage you, when I really begin to be thankful for that place, that person, that thing, when I really begin to become thankful for that person, that place, that thing, that assignment, that opportunity, it inspires me to be faithful with that thing, that person, that opportunity. And God's looking for faithful men He's looking for faithful women. He's looking for faithful people. He's looking for a generation of young adults who will rise up and stand up and be faithful with the word of God and the call of God and the plans and the purposes of God for your life. But maybe, just maybe, the pathway to be more faithful with the things that God is calling us and entrusting us to be faithful with is to say, God, would you help me to never fall into the trap of not being thankful? The enemy always comes and tries to convince us that Happiness in life is on the other side of of more money or on the other side of finally finding the spouse, on the other side of the promotion at work. 
And I'm just telling you that the pathway to true fulfillment and peace and joy in life is not the more that you need to accomplish or attain. It is gratitude and appreciation for what God has already done in your life. Let me say it this way. It's not the person who has the most in life, but the person that makes the most of life that is really happy and fulfilled. Avoid the pitfalls of comparison. Greater happiness, fulfillment, joy, a breakthrough does not lie on the other side of greater levels of accomplishment, achievement, or accumulation of worldly things. Right now, you can, if you'll, you'll just grab a hold of this and just begin to say, man, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm sorry for comparing myself to others. I'm sorry for not being thankful and joyful for what you've already done in my life. I'm sorry for allowing the world to come and define or prescribe the standards for what I need to have or how I need to be seen or perceived to be deemed a success. God's not concerned about status or success as much as he is significance. And right now, you could take who he's made you and what he's extended to you, what he's entrusted to you, and what he's enabled you to do and be, and if you begin to become thankful for those things and those people in a greater way, I'm just telling you, you could begin to walk in the fullness of joy and peace and gratitude today. Don't accept the lie that happiness is on the other side. It's like a carrot that he dangles in front of you someday or some way you can finally find joy or peace or fulfillment or purpose or happiness in your life. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from the enemy. The true happiness, fulfillment, joy, and peace is found in saying this day with who God has made me and what he's entrusted to me, I will be glad in it. So it's relational, it's directional, and it is protectional. It protects our hearts from destructive forces, a commitment to be thankful, a commitment to live out this attitude of gratitude. And last week, we talked about it in the context of peace guarding our hearts. But if you read the scripture a little bit more closely, we discovered that the pathway to that peace that guards our hearts is paved in part by giving thanks. So let's revisit it again. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so that's our part, and here's God's promise. If we'll do our part to, in every situation to, with thanksgiving, present our request before God, he says, then the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so he says, if you'll be thankful, if you'll just keep praying, he said, I'll establish a peace that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we looked at it last week, but that word to guard is the Greek word for reo. And it's a military term that means to build a military style protective barrier around something in a way that, that protects against opposing forces and in a way that preserves the resources of that army. And so he said, that's the kind of peace I'll allow to begin to become constructed around your heart and your mind if you'll Pray continually and be thankful. Giving thanks, guard your heart, guard your heart against destructive forces. Discouragement that leads to depression, that can lead to despair. And, and I say it occasionally, it deserves to be repeated today. In this life, there are gonna be days where you're going to be discouraged. You can afford to be discouraged you cannot afford to remain discouraged. And the pathway to breaking free, to, to experiencing 
this protective barrier, this protective nature of God's peace around our heart is paved with gratitude, with gratitude. By, by, by always praying in every situation with thanksgiving coming before God. And it's amazing how God's word is so wise and so true and even secular entities are constantly proving it to be true. Study after study, the two that I found when I went and did research for this message were sourced by the University of California and Harvard Medical School. Study after study after study show time and time again that what God's word says is true. Here's what the studies find. Those with a disposition of gratitude, and even more importantly in the studies, those who outwardly express that gratitude are healthier, happier, more fulfilled, less susceptible to depression and despair. And he says, when you begin to just live this life of thanksgiving, in a, even in a moment where you've got some needs, some challenges, some requests, he said, that's when you begin to discover this peace that guards, that foreos your heart against the destructive forces of the enemy. Number four, lastly, we'll close right here, is that it's provisional, that an attitude of gratitude, a commitment to live out thanksgiving is provisional. It, it connects us to the provision of the Father. It moves the heart of the King. In that scripture that we've read frequently, it says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And again, God's trying to help us here. He's jealous for our heart, time, and affection, but he's not selfish. So he's saying, I want you to see something. I want you to, to understand something. And come on, where are my parents at in the room? If you got kids, let me see you. How many of you can relate to this, that when your kids proactively and without being asked begin to approach you and express their gratitude and appreciation for who you are as a parent and what you do as a parent on their behalf, how many of you, it opens up your heart to want to do even more for them? So we, we don't do the things we, you know, when they come to, to you and they say, man, mom and dad, thank you for buying me the basketball shoes. Thank you for taking us on the vacation. Thank you for always being willing to drop what you're doing to run me across town to the thing or whatever. And I'm telling you, when we're doing those things, we're not doing it because we're begging or, or needing their appreciation. We're doing it because we love them and because we care for them and we want the best and we want them to have an opportunity and we want them to succeed. That's why we're doing it. But how many of you can relate to when they begin to proactively come without being prodded or prompted? And I know sometimes it can be infrequent. <laughs> but when they come and they begin to say, man, mom and dad, I just wanted to say thank you. And by the way, teenagers and, and young adults, listen up. I'm giving you some insider information here. When you begin to, without being prompted or prodded, begin to just live a life of gratitude towards your earthly parents, it moves their heart. How much more your heavenly father? That's why he's saying, with thanksgiving, present your requests, your needs, your dreams, your hopes to me. It moves the heart of the father. It creates the ultimate atmosphere of faith. Because when we begin to present our requests to God with thanksgiving, God, I thank you that you're gonna heal my body. God, I thank you that you're gonna make a way for us to pay off the debt. God, I thank you that you're going to see that son or that daughter or that grandchild that is not serving you. I thank you, God, in advance that you're gonna call them back home into your kingdom. God, I thank you that you're gonna heal the relationship that is estranged. It begins to blow out the middle ground of doubt. We already begin to say, God, 
I'm, I'm bringing this request before you and I'm already thanking you because of who you are, because of what I've seen you do in my life and in the lives of others all throughout this book. When I come before you, I'm already able, I've got the faith to already begin to proactively say thank you for the answer even before you move in my life. And you know, I've used this before, but it bears repeating as well. And it's like, if you received a letter, you went to your mailbox and you open it up and within your mailbox, you find a letter and maybe you recognize the name on it, but maybe it had been some, it's someone that maybe you hadn't been in touch with for a while. But what you knew about that person is that they were extravagantly wealthy. I mean, on a whole nother level kind of wealthy. First of all, how many of you be interested in seeing what the letter said right away? And maybe even a little bit more so because of who was sending you the letter. And you, what if you opened it up and the letter said, dear, insert your name. I'm writing today because I've become aware of your situation, your condition. And I understand, I've heard that you have an insurmountable debt because of some decisions you made, because of some things that maybe happened in your life that were unforeseen or unexpected. But I've become aware of the fact that you've got this insurmountable debt that you could never pay with your own resources or in your own strength. And then the letter continued and it said, and I want you to know that I'm gonna make a way that everything can be paid. You can never pay it, but I'm, I'm making it possible so that it can be paid. And then the letter went on and said, and I understand because of the weight of some of those things and some of the things that you've said and you've done that you've become isolated from your family and your friends. You've become disconnected. And it said, I'm inviting you now to become part of my table, to become a part of my family. And as part of that family, you're gonna have access to every resource, every abundance that I have as part of this rich, regal, royal family. And then it read on, you read on and it said, and not only that on this and this life, but after I pass away, he said, I'm gonna give you an inheritance. I'm gonna make you a full part of the inheritance of what I have resources to and what I have access to. I'm making you a part of it. If you got that letter and you read that letter and then you ran into that person a few days later before one penny of the promise had ever hit your bank account, how would you approach that person? Man, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I would approach them and I would say, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. I got your letter and it's gonna change my life. It's gonna change the course of my life. It's gonna change my family, what you said you were willing to do for me. Before one penny of the promise had ever hit your bank account, you would express gratitude to that person. Let me tell you, that's what God is calling us to today and that's what this book is to you today. It's a love letter from your heavenly father saying, I looked down and I saw some decisions you made. I saw the course and direction of your life. I saw that there was an amount, there was a debt that was, that was insurmountable that you could never pay in your own strength. I saw that you were lonely and far from relationships. I saw the condition of your heart and I'm making a way to pay the price you can never pay. I'm bringing you back into my family. I'm making you a part of my table and I'm giving you an inheritance that even if you tried, you could never expend for all of eternity. That's what God's word says to you. And so God, before we even experience all of it, we've experienced some of it, but even before we experience all that's in your heart, your love letter to us as believers, we just say, thank you. And we know, Lord, that as we just trust you, as we reject the schemes of anxiety and we say, we'll be anxious for nothing, we'll just, in everything, we'll present our request with thanksgiving, with gratitude, we'll begin to just thank you and worship you for who you are, what you're gonna do, God. We just say thank you, God, that you're good and you're gonna come through.
Would you stand to your feet this morning? My hope, my heart is for you in this Thanksgiving season that maybe you would just see this a little bit differently. That maybe you would just kind of grab a hold to this revelation. Again, Thanksgiving is more than just a holiday on a Thursday in the fall. It's more than just turkey and friends and family. It's a powerful invitation to begin to live a life that connects us to relationship with God, to his will and direction for our life, to his protection over our heart and mind, and to his provision for our lives. And so, Lord, I just thank you. Would, you. would you do me a favor this morning? If there's an area of your life where maybe you've experienced anxiety, where maybe you've got fear or worry or concern, and maybe it's because of some real challenges in your life, but today, would you be willing to do something in faith with me? Would you begin to just tell God thank you for the answer or the solution that's on the other side of his will, his heart, his word, his plan for that area of your life? You could do it under your, under your breath, or you maybe even have the boldness to begin to do it out loud. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the provision. Thank you for the relationship restored. Thank you for seeing us through to the other side of that challenge. Thank you, Lord. We trust you. We trust you. So as you're just doing that between yourself and God, I want to give people the opportunity in this room and online to come home to God, to come home to God. And maybe you've drifted from God. You once knew him, loved him, served him, but you've drifted and you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. And today, if that's you, the heart of the Father is the same towards you as it was in that parable Jesus told. That Father's longing for, looking for, eagerly anticipating the day that you'll come back home into a relationship with Him. His arms are open to you today. Or maybe you're here or online and you've never received the forgiveness of Jesus that you can never earn, never deserve. We don't get good to get God. We get God through the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so today, if you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between, right now is your moment. Right now is your moment to run back into the arms of your Father. He's waiting. He's longing. Right now is your moment to say, yes, Jesus, I need forgiveness. And if that's you today in this room and online with every head bowed, eye closed, right, here's what I want you to do. We're not going to put you on the spot or make you come forward or anything, but I do want to ask you to have the courage to just lift your hand to just say, that's me. I need to come home to my Father. That's me. I need to say yes to Jesus to be forgiven. Right now, this is your moment to experience the free gift of salvation, what the Bible describes as being born again, made new, all the old, passed away, you're a new creation in Christ. If you raise your hand in this room and online, you can put it down. And here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. We do it every week. And we're gonna pray this prayer with you. Just as a sign of support, there's brothers and sisters in Christ, we wanna quickly just let you know we're we're there with you and for you, we'll help you, we'll encourage you. So we're gonna pray this prayer with you today. And we do it for a second reason every week is it just reminds us that even as we're growing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. Everything God's doing and building and maturing in our lives of faith, it's all built on unmerited grace. So come on, some amazing people came home to God today. Let's pray this prayer with them. Come on, repeat after me, pray it boldly. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life, I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it loudly, I will never be the same. And then come on, rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people that came home to Jesus today. man. I'm thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for your life and so thankful for this church family. And man, I just pray you have a blessed Thanksgiving. Hold on to everything that God's done in your life and just be thankful. Watch what God does in your life. Hey, 
Let's be thankful one more time together. Let's worship God one more time and then Amity and Beth will come and dismiss us and get us about our day.